Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, you're turning to the ninth chapter of Hebrews. And we're going to be looking at verses 15 and we're going to go through verse number 28. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, starting with verse number 15, going through verse number 28. Uh, last week, we looked at the tabernacle. And remember, we talked about how the tabernacle was a shadow of something better to come. Talked about uh, that there was a better sanctuary. And we understand that as we've been going through this, uh, the writer of Hebrews has been telling us Jesus is just better. Jesus is just better. Jesus is just better. I'm telling you, Jesus is just better. And so we've been looking. And now, as we come into this part of the ninth chapter, we're going to start seeing uh, that he's just better because he was a better sacrifice. He's a better sacrifice. And so, uh, as we look at this, uh, tonight I entitled this message, An Heir of God. An Heir of God. Now, I've told this many times over, but uh, some of the ugliest fighting that I've ever seen is when a family was getting together to settle up an inheritance that's been left. Maybe you've been involved in that. I'm telling you, it's amazing to me what people will do over stuff. But uh, we uh, in our family, I have uh, told them many times over, no need to worry about fighting over daddy's inheritance because daddy ain't leaving none. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to spend it all. You know? But uh, as we look at this, we're seeing that we can be an heir of God. Aren't you glad tonight that because you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, because you called upon His wonderful name, and by faith you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, do you understand tonight you're an heir of God? And being an heir of God means you have some wonderful benefits. And notice here, well, when we are writing a will out, the only time that we'll see anything out of that is one uh, when the testor uh, is died. Okay, as long as the, as, as the person's living, there's no, uh, the scriptures will tell us there's no strength in that will. So you've got to wait till somebody dies where you get your inheritance down here. Well, my friend, you can enjoy the inheritance that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll get benefits when you get there, but you've already uh, can receive the benefits now because he not only died, but he rose the third day and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he has promised that he's going to come and call us home one glorious day. And so with that understanding, look at verse number 15. And it says, For this cause... Now, we're going to have to go back to verses 13 and 14 to understand what the cause is. We'll get to that in just a moment. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. Okay, now, the word testament can be used. You could use covenant or you could use will. He says that there's a new will uh, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions uh, of the transgressions, if I can get my thing to work here, uh, transgressions that were under the first testament or under the first will, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Did you notice it said 
eternal inheritance. See, the inheritance that you may get down here, it's going to be temporary, is it not? I mean, uh, I know how some of your spending habits are, and if you get any inheritance, you'll have it spent in about two months. I mean, that's just the way we are, right? Uh, I've seen people, and I, I watched this uh, silly little show about people who won the lottery. And maybe some of you watched it. And most of them, a large percentage of them, are broke today. I mean, why? Because the flesh is weak. But this inheritance that we have because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, it's eternal. <laughs> you, can, you can't lose any of it. Look at verse number 16. For where a, a, a testament is, there must also of, of necessity be the death of the testor. So it means that if you've got a, a testament here, uh, there's one that the, the wheel has been written in. He has to die before it comes in act. Look at verse 17. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it's of no strength at all while the testor liveth. Now, we're going to stop there for just a moment. And there's three things that we're going to see tonight. First of all, we're going to see there is a testament or there is a will. The second thing that we're going to see is there is the teachings of of what this will contains. And thirdly, we're going to see the testimony. The testimony is, here's what it means to be in this will. So tonight, uh, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to understand you're not in the will. You're not in the will. But if you've received Jesus Christ, you're in the will. You're an heir of God. Now, this message tonight is going to be an encouraging message. It's going to be a message that should just make you glad, 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 because you may not have an inheritance down here, but you have one uh, that has already been purchased and has already been enacted, and you can receive the benefits of the will now today. See, what happens is many people uh, just are hanging on. I just can't wait to get to heaven. Now that's a good thing to understand. I can't wait to get to heaven. But what we need to understand is we can be so heavenly minded that we're become no earthly good. I want you to know you can receive benefits today. You don't have to wait for your inheritance even though it's going to be there because it's eternal. So the first thing that we're going to see is the testament. Notice the word usage. What needs to be contained? First of all, there has to be a will. The second thing is there has to be an heir or the benefactor. And then you have uh, the testor or the one who the will has been written uh, in. So here, the first thing that we see is that the Lord Jesus said himself in Luke chapter 22 and in verse number 20, he says that this new testament or this new will, which is by my blood that was shed for you. See, this will that you can be a part of, uh, it has been purchased and it has been enacted because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you, we're going to camp out a little bit on this because now we're talking about the blood. 
I'm telling you, my dear friends, we should never, ever quit preaching about the blood. We should never back up about preaching about the blood. Now, there's other denominations that have taken the blood out, but I'm telling you, the Word of God is true, and the Word of God says for us to be able to be benefactors of this wheel, they must be shedding of blood. But not just any blood. It was only one who fit the criteria, only one who was qualified to shed his blood, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ said he will shed his blood freely for you. And so we see uh, that the old covenant was also under the blood. Look at verses 19 through 21 in the text here. And in 1921, we see that it talks about the, uh, the old covenant or the old wheel. We see that this comes from Exodus chapter 24, verses 3 through 8. And when it talks about, it talks about being the, the blood, being purified by the blood. But it goes on and says, not only were you purified back in those times, that you were purified by the blood, but you could also be purified by the water, and you could also be purified by the fire. Now, I started thinking about that, and uh, I look back, and we see uh, that uh, when the high priest would come, he would uh, take the blood, and he would sprinkle the blood. He would sprinkle it over uh, the law, the book. He would do it over the furnishings. Uh, he would do it over the people. The tabernacle would be sprinkled by the blood. Now, when you study uh, the way that they did things back then, that was purification. It was a cleansing, if you will. It was a ceremonial sprinkling of the blood. But you got to go back to verses 13 and 14. I want you to take your Bibles. We're in Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verses 13 and 14. To get, to get the setting here, and the reason why this is so important is, I want to show us the, how continual the blood is. Very, from the very beginning, it was always about the blood. Matter of fact, uh, the, the Cain and Abel, remember, uh, one brought uh, the wrong sacrifice because it was not an animal sacrifice. When you bring an animal sacrifice, they would take the blood from that sacrifice and they would take that blood. So it's always been about the blood. But you're in verse number 13. Listen to what the Bible says. And I find this interesting. It's got me kind of excited. It says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats... And the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. Now, understand, they would take the bulls, the goats, but what caught my eye was the ashes of the heifer. Now, I did some study when we were studying the tabernacle some time ago. And if you go and study Jewish writings and uh, their uh, the belief system there, you all heard about the red heifer, right? Now, in the Mishnah, uh, that uh, is a Jewish writing there. It says that there had been nine red heifer sacrifices. They would trace it all the way back to the time of Moses. Now, Moses is mentioned here in our text. We're now getting word 
that they are no longer breeding the red heifer. There's nine. And the Mishnah said at the 10th, it would be done by the Messiah. Now, not the Messiah that we're looking for. Okay, now get, get the, the get. We're not talking about Jesus the Messiah, but and, and their thinking and their theology, they're looking for the first coming. We're looking for the second coming because he's already came once. And that's when he, uh, when he went to the cross on our behalf and he became our sacrifice. So now uh, I've, I've gotten uh, some documentation and, uh, and from reliable sources that they're no longer breeding. Why? Because they believe that they have found the perfect red heifer because they believe Messiah is coming soon. Now, folks, that, that ought to really start you thinking here. Because what was the red heifer? It, they would use it for cleansing what are they getting ready to cleanse? The temple that's going to be rebuilt. Now, when you go into prophecy, I am no expert by any stretch of the imagination. But the scripture tells us that the temple will be restored during the time of tribulation. And they will go back to the sacrifices. And they have counted nine. There's just one more red heifer to go. And they're believing that they have because the Bible says it had to be one with no spots. That means that it had no, they would inspect it very closely. And if there was any black hair, it's disqualified. Now catch, okay, catch the picture. Now look at verse number 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so here, watch this. It's, I got to get out of here. That was probably not the right thing to do. Okay. I forgot I had this stupid thing on. I'll, I'll get... Matt will be up here. He's all freaking out because he always has to have it just right. And he's probably saying, you big dodo, what did you do that for? But, no, so, watch... And so, and so we see the purifying by water and, and, and by blood. And, and so here it was all ceremony. Now notice this. It didn't, th this sacrifice did not change the nature. Are you, are you starting to catch this now? It did not change the nature. See, when they would sprinkle, when the priest would go and sprinkle the blood over the furniture, it did not change the nature of that furniture. When it, when it would uh, uh, come and, and would sprinkle uh, the tabernacle, it did not uh, purify that tabernacle, so to speak. The, the, the tabernacle and that furnishing could not be defiled. It's a piece of wood. It's, it's a piece of furniture. But when he would sprinkle the people... And when they would bring their offerings and when the high priest would go in once a year and, and, and do the atoning, uh, to atone for the sins, it only covered their sins. It only covered their sins. But here, 
the precious blood of the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, He not only covered your sins, but He removed your sins. Glory to God. I'm telling you, you have been set free by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Christ. And so here we're seeing it's always been the blood. It's always been the blood. It will always continue to be the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so he goes and says oh, that the blood of Jesus. Now I want you to look. Notice in verse number 14, it says the blood even purged or purified your conscience. Now, what are we saying here? We're saying that when you get saved, my dear friend, when you get saved, truly saved, your nature and your thinking, everything about you should change. You don't think the way you used to think. You don't walk the way you used to walk. You don't talk the way you used to talk. When the blood of Jesus Christ covered you, he purified you, he cleansed you from all unrighteousness, and he has set you free, free. I'm saying that you have been set free in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're not the same. The Bible says we become new creatures in Christ. The old man has been crucified. The old man has gone, and we now know that sin no longer has dominion over us. Why? Because of the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. So we see the Testament. But notice also in verse number 23, and now we're going to get into the teachings here. In verse number 23, it says, it talks about the heavenly sanctuary. Now, one thing we have to understand, when they would have the ceremonial sprinkling of the blood when they would have the purging of the blood or the sprinkling of the blood it did not change the nature where the blood failed but it did change on how God reacted see when you got saved it changed the way God interacted with you Matter of fact, it changes the way we interact with Him. Because when we were dead in our trespasses, we did not have any interaction. Why? Because a holy God will not come into the presence of sin. And when you were a sinner, you could not have communion with God or fellowship with God. Are you catching this? I'm telling you, there's many people who said things like, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. Or I'm trying to do better about this. Or I'm, doing, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. My dear friend, that is not salvation. Salvation is when the blood of Jesus Christ has covered you. And because of the power of the blood... It's changed you inside and out. And now, at one time you're an enemy of God, now you're a friend of God. And it's all because of the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. And so he goes and he talks about, uh, in verse 15, he talks about some of the benefits. He says, there's redemption. 
That means your sins have been canceled out. Aren't you glad tonight that you will not... Uh, uh, and here's where we, uh, many of us have problems sometimes. Some of you are not able to move on and live the victorious life that God has intended for you because you can't get over your past. Now, I'm not saying that you haven't been saved. What I'm saying is because of guilt... That is not because of God. God, if you have confessed your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, right? Do you really believe that word tonight? I believe that when I confess my sins, He forgives me of my sins. So the problem is not the forgiveness of God. Here's where many of us are, even maybe tonight is, we can't forgive ourselves. So when you have guilt, who's reminding you of that? It's not God, because God says, I've forgiven you, Satan. Satan wants you to be riddled with guilt and shame. Some of you have done some things that you're praying that no one will ever find out. You're ashamed at some of the things that you've done. But my dear friend, I want you to know you can be set free of that tonight. Because if you've been covered by the blood, the Bible says that you have remission of sin. That means your sins have been forgiven. And may I add, it says all of your sins. All means all. And so many are immobilized and spiritually crippled because Satan keeps on reminding you of your past. What do you do about that? You just remind Satan of what you've done with Jesus Christ. You just remind him that you've been covered by the blood. (laughs) And I'm telling you, it will set you free. So there's the benefits. But notice here, he says in verse number 24. uh, Let's look at verse number 24 very quickly. Everybody still with us? Y'all about wore me out. I'm well, it's good though, isn't it? The blood, man, the blood. The blood set you free. Now, look at verse number 24. He goes on and says, in uh, verse he says, For Christ is not entered into the holy, the holy places made with hands. Okay? Now, again, he's referring back to the old tabernacle. See the old tabernacle, the Holy of Holies we talked about where the Ark of the Covenant was and where uh, they believed that the very presence of God was located. He says, now, this sanctuary, he's talking about heaven now. He says, he's entered into the Holy of Holies there. He says, this sanctuary has not been made by man. It's been made by the hand of God. See, when God makes something, he makes it eternal, right? And so he says, uh, made with hands, which are the figures, okay? That word figures can also be uh, shadows, shadows of the truth. In other words, he's going back to the tabernacle, remember? The tabernacle, we saw Jesus all in the tabernacle there. It was a shadow of one who was going to come, something that was better that was going to come. But he says, but into heaven itself, now to appear. Now, when we go into verses 24 through 28, we see there's three appearances 
or three times that that word appear is made mention of. Here's the first one. The first one says that he is now appeared in the presence of God for us. He's here in heaven even tonight. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And as he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, remember he is our mediator. He is our go-between. He he is uh, standing in the gap for us, so to speak. But we also see, even though he's there at the right hand of the Father, we go and see a little bit later on that he's going to get up. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for him to get up. Because when he gets up, he's ready to come back. And when he comes back... And those of us who are left behind, the Bible tells us in Thessalonians, the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive will be changed forevermore and we will be caught up together and meet him in the clouds. Oh, won't that be a glorious day? And that's when we'll realize we've got even more goodies, to so to speak. I mean, we've already been the benefits of our inheritance here, are we not? I mean, some of our inheritance, first of all, is eternal life. We also see that some of our inheritance is peace. Peace. Contentment. That's part of your inheritance. Joy. That's part of your inheritance. Fellowship, that's part of your inheritance. Now, it isn't, it isn't I mean, we just came off uh, Thanksgiving. And I love my family. There's always a, dis- you know that you always do a disclaimer before you lower the boom on them? And I do love my family and we had a house full. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I was kind of glad to see them go too. Now, you're going to say, well, Brother Mike, Every one of you thought the same thing. I overheard y'all talking this morning, thinking, whoo, Lord, my in-laws about to kill me. And your in-laws are saying, I'm so glad we left there. I mean, but you know, families, and families are families, all right? But do you realize that this inheritance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the way, we are family, right? We're family, brothers and sisters in the Lord that we won't have to fight over the inheritance because the inheritance has been freely allocated equally. Isn't that good? See, now when you, when you have a will here, there's problems can arise in a will. It can be contested. That cousin that never came to see grandma, all of a sudden he pops up. Some of you, you already named names right then. <laughs> I know what happens. I don't think that's right. I don't think she was in her right mind. And so they con- uh, they, they, they'll contest it. It can get held up in court. I've even heard of those who, uh, you, you know, people say, well, it's legally binding. I'm telling you, if you've got enough money and you can buy a good enough lawyer, they can go and find a loophole somewhere. But this inheritance that we have, there ain't no loopholes. And, and it will not be held up in court because it has been settled once and for all. And it was settled there in Calvary when he died for our sins and he shed his blood for the remission of our sins. And so now we see that he's appearing, he's appearing there in heaven. Now, I want you to go to verse number 28. 
Verse number 28, we're going to see two more times where we see the word usage of appearing. So listen to what the Bible says. So Christ was once, boy, I like that word. Notice it said once. Now understand, our back, the high priest had to do it year after year after year after year. They had to keep on bringing their sacrifices to the temple. I mean, every time, every time, every time. The Bible says this sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, he once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time. Folks, he's coming back. And we're going to see him there in the air. And the Bible says when we get caught up, we're going to be with him. But then we know also that he's going to appear one more time. And this second, third appearance, if you will, will be appearing with him. Because when you read the book of Revelation, the Bible says that when he comes to go ahead and take care of business, we will be with him. See, it says the saints, that's us. And we're going to come and he's going to go ahead and he's going to take care of business. And then we're going to see that we'll be reigning with him in the thousand year millennial reign. But then he goes on. He says, he, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And so here we see that this will that has been already enacted, it will not be held up. It's final. There's no loopholes. There's no lawyer who's going to be able to help contest it. It's a done deal. Why? Because Jesus Christ, when he does it, he does it to completion. May I add here at this time is that that's the reason why you ought to hold dear to the security uh, of your salvation. Don't you buy in to where you can lose it because it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon what Jesus Christ did and what Jesus Christ does, he always does to completion. He's begun a work in you and he will finish it into the day of redemption or in the day of the Lord. Aren't you glad tonight that you have an inheritance that you don't have to worry about if you're going to get a fair shake or not? By the way it's probably a good thing he's not going to be fair because if he was fair to us we all would deserve death in hell but because of his grace and his mercy and his love we have an inheritance that we didn't put anything into it that we didn't have anything to say about it it's all dependent upon what Jesus Christ has done and when Jesus Christ does something in your life he will do it to completion and my dear friend you may be going to trials and tribulations tonight you may be questioning God God I don't understand what's going on in my life we may as a church saying I don't understand I don't fully understand what going on. I really don't know what's coming on down the road. I have final authority because of the word of God and I'm telling you it's all going to be good and we're all going to win in the end. Amen. 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 And so here you're an heir of God. Aren't you glad tonight? You're an heir of God. But I noticed uh, I think about heir of God. I kind of like being a friend of God. Now, I've had some friends in my days that turned out not to be so friendly. But you can count on this, friend. The Bible says he will not leave you nor forsake you. He'll be faithful 
into the end. And then I started thinking about friends. But, I, you know, I, I like to call him my master. I, I like to call him uh, my savior. But I kind of like the sound that I'm an heir of God. There was a Texas uh, guy lived out in Texas, lived out in West Texas. Didn't have much to his name, had a little gas station. Didn't get a whole lot of traffic out that way. One day his buddy drove by and he said, uh, he came into the, uh, the station and his buddy's sitting over there in his garage and he was just a crying. And he said, uh, man, what's wrong with you? He says, oh, what's up? He said, have you heard the news? And he said, uh, well, what news are you talking about? And he named this man's name. He was a very wealthy. Matter of fact, he was a multi-billionaire oil man, and he had died. And the guy was crying. He, he had read the obituary in the paper. The guy was confused. He says, man, he says, you don't know him? He says, I know, no, I don't know him. He says, you, you're, there's no family here, is it? He says, no. He says, why are you crying? He says, you're not family. He, he, he says, you're, you're, you're not going to get nothing out of that. He says, that's why I'm crying. <laughs> My dear friend, this inheritance that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to cry about. You can shout glory down. Amen. Because you're going to reap all the benefits that he has in store for you. Now, if you're here tonight, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, my dear friend, you're out of the wheel. You, 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 you won't get any of the benefits. And I don't want to be harsh and I don't want to be cruel, but I'm telling you, you're, been, you're not in the wheel. And you're not able to enjoy the inheritance that he has already provided for you. He's already provided for you. You don't have to jump over the pews. You don't have to swing from the chandeliers. All you have to do is, by childlike faith, call upon His wonderful name, confess your sins, repent of your sins, and cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 13 says, Who shall ever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, you don't have to go through classes. You don't have to do all of that. You just, by faith, come to know Him. He's your personal Lord and Savior. And my dear friend, when you do that, you're written in the will. And you will automatically start receiving your benefits. My wife is working on her medical retirement. And we're looking about all the her benefits and all that kind of... And uh, looking at Social Security... And I hate to be a downer, but I hope you ain't counting on your Social Security to hold you up. I, had, I, had, I was in depression after we saw what we was going to get. It's sad. But my dear friend, and then you have to wait. You know, it takes you three years to go ahead and get that. But this inheritance that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're able to receive the benefits right now. Right now. Yeah. said, so Brother Mike, this is a Sunday night crowd. We're the cream of the crop. Well, I don't know where you got that idea, but we'll go ahead and go with that. <laughs> and you know you're saved. You know you have an inheritance. But let me ask you something. 
Just be honest. Do you really think that there might be something in your life that you need to get corrected? You might have a pride problem. Maybe you got some bitterness. Maybe some unforgiveness, whatever the case may be. Maybe it could be that you have that besetting sin that we've talked about on Wednesday. Maybe you just need to go ahead and get that taken care of. But maybe tonight, you just need to pray for God to show you what you need to do. And maybe we as a corporate body, a family, need to pray and ask God, God, show us what we need to do. This invitation is for every one of us here tonight. But before we go to the invitation, I want you to know, I've done some things. and I'm not what I should be. But I'm so grateful tonight that I can stand before you and let you know I'm an heir of God. And I have a inheritance waiting for me. But I don't want to miss the benefits he has in store for me here. He's got them ready for you. What are you going to do with it?